Welcome to A Little Bit Unstoppable. This podcast is for artists, creators, and change makers in any industry who have powerful ideas that might just change the world, or at least a small piece of it. My name is Brielle Goheen, and I'm a clarity coach for creatives. I help people declutter their minds, declutter their physical and digital spaces, and most importantly, declutter their dreams and hack their habits so that the most important things become the easiest to do. I believe that creativity will change the world. So I want to equip you to release your creativity with power in a way that is effortless and sustainable. One of the small, simple ways that I do this is through my weekly newsletter, Unstoppable Bit by Bit. If you'd like to receive encouragement, inspiration, and some more personal stories, head over to briellegoheen.com to sign up. Without further ado, let's get started with today's episode. Today's episode is part two of 10 goal-setting mistakes that are holding you back. Last week in part one, we talked about five mistakes. The first mistake is you don't take your dreams and desires seriously enough. The second mistake is you treat your goals like a wish for the present instead of a plan for the future. And the third mistake was you don't leave enough time for your goals. The fourth mistake was you don't prepare for the obstacles. And fifth, you don't break down your goals into projects and then into mini projects and then into next actions. So let's take those five mistakes and reframe them from the negative, what you aren't doing, into the positive, which is what you are going to do from now on. So from now on, take your dreams and desires seriously. When you set a goal, don't treat it like a wish for now. Treat it as if it were a concrete future reality that you're going to work toward. Leave plenty of time for the inevitable detours along the way and prepare as well as you can mentally and in other ways for any obstacles that you can foresee and break down your goals. It's so important. The only way that anything gets accomplished is one step followed by another step followed by the next step. There are rarely shortcuts, but that doesn't mean that progress is slow because when you accept that things just need to be done step after step and you plan accordingly by breaking down your goals into projects and then mini projects and then the very next steps that you need to take, your progress will become so quick. I've quoted Greg McEwen on this topic before, and I'm sure that I will quote him again because this is something that I tell myself literally every single day. Slow is smooth, and smooth is fast. So accepting and embracing slow, step-by-step progress is actually the fastest way to make huge strides towards your goals. All right. Now on to the next five goal-setting mistakes that you might be making. And if you are making any of these mistakes, they are almost certainly holding you back. 
I'm going to number these mistakes six to 10 to differentiate them from the first five. So the sixth mistake that you might be making is that you set goals you don't actually want to achieve. <laughs> this, this sounds funny, but people often set goals for things that aren't actually important to them. They might be important to other people, like maybe your family or your community or your culture, but you don't actually really care about it all that much. And if you don't actually care about it, you'll always struggle to find motivation to take the next steps that are necessary to get there. Luke Burgess wrote an amazing book about mimetic desire. So mimetic means imitative. So a mimetic desire is desire that imitates another person's desire. It's not only a negative thing because entire cultures like our culture is completely built upon collective mimetic desire. We want what other people want. And so we agree to build societies that serve those desires, those collective desires. But it can be quite sneaky if we aren't aware that we habitually desire what the people around us desire without questioning it. So let's take the example of getting a promotion at work. Is your goal to get a promotion at work, is it actually something that you want or is it something that you've seen other people want? Is it something that other people have told you that you should want? Is it something that you've seen other people work hard toward? So think about that promotion as objectively as you can for a second. What will it take to achieve it? What will you have to give up now in order to get there? And what will it take from you once you're there? Because everything in life is a trade-off. So if you're wanting to work toward something in the future, it's gonna take something from you now in order to get there. And then once you're there, you're in a different place. So the balance of life and, and many of the aspects of life will look a little different. So things will be given and things will be taken away and it will be different. So what will be taken? from you once you're there? And what will it give to you? Do you really desire the, the benefits that would come from this promotion? Do you really desire what it would give to you? And if you do, why? Once you've defined why you would desire that benefit, then you can ask the question, is there maybe an easier or more satisfying way to get those same benefits, those same results? In the previous episode, I said, take your dreams and desires seriously. And that means question them. Ask these questions of the things that you're working toward, because the biggest mistake you can make is to use your valuable time and labor to work toward something that you never really wanted in the first place. So ask yourself in all honesty, do I really want this? My husband, Brad, just sent in his final draft of his PhD thesis about a month ago, and it was a huge moment. He's been working really hard and really consistently toward this for the last seven years, and he's been doing this amidst huge life changes, both for him and for our family. And so it's just such a celebration that he was able to send that in and send that final draft in. 
And as he came to the end of this journey, he started asking questions about the next phase. He was in this transitional state. And the logical next step would be that he would pursue a traditional academic career. That's what almost everybody that finishes their PhD, they go on to pursue that academic career. But that would entail moving wherever he needs to, wherever he's able to get a job in order to become a tenure track professor, because those jobs are not easy to come by. And so you end up pursuing it in a variety of different, really painstaking, time-consuming ways, and then end up moving wherever in the world you're able to find a job. But as he asked the deeper questions, he realized that what he really desires isn't the security of the tenure track job, and it isn't the prestige of a professorship, and it's not any of the trappings of academia. What he found he really desired was to teach people. And so because of that, he's begun exploring ways that he can use his immense breadth of knowledge that he's gained in the last seven years in a way that can serve people as he teaches them. And he's equally happy for this to happen within an academic institution or outside of it because he's defined that his real goal, what he desires beneath everything, is to teach and serve anyone who desires to learn. If he hadn't asked the deeper questions, he may have thought that his goal was to single-mindedly pursue the next step, the next logical step of getting an academic position. And he might have even accepted one that had a bend more toward researching instead of teaching. And if he had done that, he may have given up what he really wanted to teach in service of a proxy, which would have been the academic position. So question your desires until you find the root of what it's really about. Because when you do that, your path, it might look really odd from the outside looking in, but from the inside, it will feel so, so right. And that's one of the ways that you know that you're hitting that stride, setting goals that you really desire to achieve. The seventh goal setting mistake you might be making is related. You don't root your goals in a strategic intent that takes into account who you are, who you want to be, and how you want to show up in the world. It's possible to just set goals based on what you want to have or how you want others to relate to you or how you want others to see you. And these goals are going to be pretty tough to stick with in the long term because, well, there's no way of controlling how other people perceive you or how other people relate to you. So you'll be fighting a battle that you're guaranteed to lose in one way or another. And a goal based on what you want to have is similarly not resilient because it's too shallow unless it's a goal that you want to have this so that and then it goes another layer deeper. And that layer deeper should be rooted in who you are, who you want to be and how you want to show up in the world. But if it's 
if the depth of it is only what you want to have, then that's going to be quite shallow. It's shallow because these things come and go. But goals that are rooted in who you are, in the deepest parts of you, who you want to be in relationship to that, living and acting more and more in a way that releases the very best part of you, and goals that are rooted in how you want to show up in the world, these are the goals that are deep and resilient. They'll weather the inevitable obstacles that we talked about in the previous episode. So who do you want to be to your family and friends? The people that you love the most in the world. How do you want to show up for them? How do you want to relate to them? What about your community or your neighborhood? How do you want to show up in these spaces or your work with your coworkers? As a manager of finances and material possessions, who do you want to be? in regards to what you have. Greg McEwen says that making these decisions with concrete clarity and a vision in mind that inspires you is incredibly important. He calls it strategic intent. When you make these statements of strategic intent, you've made, to quote Greg McEwen, one decision that makes a thousand. So for example, if I've already made a clear and concrete decision that I desire to be fully present each day in relationship with my kids, it makes a thousand other decisions so much easier. Things like technology habits, prioritizing rest, carving out daily time with no goals and no agenda other than to just listen to my kids' stories and just to listen to them talk about the things that are important to them. Those are decisions that are made easier by the one concrete decision that I want to be present each day in one way or another with each of my kids. And these secondary goals, like the technology habits, prioritizing rest, those kinds of things that make the primary goal easier, they'll be easier to stick with because they're rooted in a deeper strategic intent. Another goal setting mistake you might be making is overloading yourself by making too many goals all at once. Michael Hyatt makes a fantastic day planner called the Full Focus Planner. I absolutely love them. You get a new planner every quarter and through some visioning questions at the beginning and then weekly questions evaluating the past week and setting intentions for the coming week, these questions help you keep your annual goals in mind every single week. But I digress. <laughs> I might do another episode on just this idea because it's helped me do so many things little step by little step. But my reason for mentioning it is that he recommends to set no more than 10 goals per year. April Perry is a productivity expert that's really shaped my daily life quite a bit. And she recommends having no more than eight projects to work on and finish every month. So Michael Hyatt says 10 large goals per year. And April Perry says no more than eight projects to work on that you can finish within each month. And I feel the pain of this so much. 
I always wanted to word my 10 goals in such a way that each one encompasses a few goals within it. Or I wanted to make sure that each one of my eight monthly projects are as massive as possible. And then I would sneakily have dozens and dozens of mini projects, even when they weren't actually that mini. But I've learned the hard way, and I'm still constantly learning this, that whenever I set too many goals at the same time, I get so much less done. I feel overwhelmed instead of empowered when I sit down. And so then I avoid the desk and end up not doing any work. Or I would feel really bad at the end of the week because even though I worked every day, I had too many things on my list of things to do. And there were things that crossed over from the previous week to the next week. And almost as a punishment to myself, I would let the unfinished tasks from each week compound. And then I'd beat myself up about it every time the to-do list remained undone. But we get so much less done when we're working in a state of overwhelm or negativity. When you commit to a realistic amount of things for the week ahead, you'll get so much more done and you'll also feel so much better about the work that you get done. You'll end up at the end of the day or the end of the week feeling accomplished instead of defeated. And by focusing on just a handful of goals each year and just a handful of projects to work toward each month, you'll find at the end of the year that you got them done. But if, on the other hand, you set too many goals, you'll find yourself setting the same ones over and over and over again every single year. And this leads me to the ninth goal-setting mistake that you might be making, and that is you don't focus on habit formation as the key to getting to where you want to go. So there's two kinds of goals. There are habit goals which are consciously forming an unconscious pattern of behavior over time. And there are achievement goals, which are goals related to reaching a desired destination. So a habit goal might be to journal every morning for 10 minutes or meditate for 15 minutes or run for 20 minutes or go out once a week with someone you love. And an achievement goal might be to write a book manuscript or run a 10K or a marathon, or finish and release that album. But here's the thing that we don't always remember. Every achievement goal is made up of a series of behaviors that led toward that achievement. So basically, if you focus more on habit formation and less on achievement, you'll actually end up achieving more. Every month, I follow April Perry's advice and I set eight projects for the month. I make sure that two of them are habit formation projects. And I ask myself, what are the habits that I need to develop that would really support me in the other six projects? And beyond that, any projects that I decide to do in the future. So that way, at the end of each month, I finish some projects that I feel really good to be able to call done. But I've also set myself up better for the following month because my habits are more intentional and further developed than they were last month. 
Some habits take longer than a month to establish. So those ones stay on my projects list for more than one month. And, and sometimes I think that I've established a habit only to find that it goes back on my list after six months or so because it's fizzled away. But that's part of the process. Every time I set up a series of goals or projects, I always try to strike a balance of achievement goals for the immediate reward of getting them done and habit goals that will support me in the longer term. Because instilling these habits will make every future achievement goal just a little bit easier to accomplish than the last one. And this idea of balance is what my 10th and final point is all about. The most important goal setting mistake you might be making that's holding you back has to do with balance. You might not be making goals that support you in a holistic way. You are so much more than your work. Often when we set goals, we forget that we have aspirations beyond just our work. And I don't know about you, but I have huge aspirations for how I want to grow and do better within my closest relationships. I want to be more present as a mom. I want to be a more reliable friend. I want to love people better. I want to give more generously and I want to keep doing the deep inner work to be a better friend to myself. And I want to continue belonging to myself more and more. I want to be still and spend time in meditation every day. I want to learn and I want to learn to listen to the wisdom of my body and to feel joyful no matter what my circumstances are. And I want to work hard and I want to achieve a lot with my work. I want to teach people what I learned so that it just keeps getting passed around and multiplied to more and more people. And I want to create the most beautiful things that I can. And that means that there's a lot to do and there's a lot to learn. And there are a lot of collaborations that still need to happen. I want so many things in so many areas of my life. And I'm sure that you do too. So when I set goals... And when you set goals, we need to remember that we are holistic human beings. Our goals aren't just about work. We have desires in three major areas. Our work is one area, but another area to set goals in is our relationships with other people, with our communities. And another area to set goals in is in our relationship to ourselves and our well-being, both mental and physical and spiritual. Goals are so wonderful, but when we forget the breadth of how we want to show up in our lives, not only for our work, but also for our friends, and also for our family, and also for ourselves, we can often end up feeling trapped by our own goals. Because if our goals are lopsided instead of balanced, we won't actually be working toward the ultimate goals of our lives, which for most people entails some kind of delicate dance, this beautiful balance of enjoying rest and downtime and just loving the small moments along the journey, as well as growing into a human being that you really enjoy spending time with 
and surrounding yourself with other human beings that you really love spending time with and making a contribution to the lives of the people that you love and also in your broader community in the broader world, making a contribution that is meaningful. So I hope in the last two episodes that you've gained a little bit of clarity on one or two things that might be holding you back when it comes to goal setting and setting goals that you can actually achieve. I love setting goals and I love working hard towards seeing them become real. There's nothing more exciting than imagining something and then seeing it actually become tangible. And if you're listening to this episode, I have a feeling that you probably have at least a piece of you that loves that goal setting and seeing things become real. But if you feel stuck right now, I want to remind you that I have a free resource available called 100 Ways to Get Unstuck. And I would encourage you to go pick up that video training and PDF at briellegoheen.com slash get unstuck so that you can get going with the work that you're here to do. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next week. It takes bravery and it takes courage to walk the artistic path. And we need to support and encourage each other as much as possible. If you found this episode helpful, consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review in your favorite podcast listening app. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already so that you'll be notified each time a new episode is up. Remember, the worlds we imagine are the worlds we build. So ambitious creators, imagine something beautiful and take the next step, no matter how small, toward building it.